Thank you, Rebecca, for reading this morning. And welcome here. I hope that you have been warmly greeted. All of us needed a warm greeting to get the circulation going again after venturing outside. <clears throat> but this is winter and it's Canada. We've been talking about why church. And, and you might wonder um, why I talk about stewardship. What's the connection between stewardship and church? Uh, bear with me. Uh, I think by the end you'll see the connection. I'm hoping. And I'll leave at the end so that you stay awake till I get there. Addressing stewardship and generosity is one of the most challenging tasks in the church. I guess we could say that we've already addressed part of it at our AGM this last week because we approved a budget uh, for this coming year. And we also affirmed a list of volunteers for different committees. Uh, the church's mission includes discipling members to grow holistically in stewardship. And stewardship is more than just money. It has to do with our time. We all get 24 hours a day. We don't get more. Our talents, our opportunities, our relationships, and yes, money. So actually stewardship covers everything, all of it. The goal can't be simply about increasing giving, nor only about money. And so that's not going to really be the central focus of what I want to say this morning. Actually, making it all about money doesn't disciple believers on stewardship and can probably border on that compulsion described in verse 7 uh, from the text that Rebecca just read. It can also leave the perception that the church is always asking for money. And I'm actually pretty pleased that, uh, in some ways, that the pandemic uh, made us go to online giving and electronic e-transfer, and, and we have a box in the back. We no longer walk down the aisle and glare at you if you don't put something in the box. Uh, it's actually just free for you to engage in or not. So let's talk about stewardship and generosity. Number one... The first principle, and this is really kind of foundational, God is the owner, we are the stewards. That's an easy, simple sentence. God is the owner, you and I are the stewards. So Paul's goal here is not to attain a detachment from material things, but a recognition that God is the giver of all things. He gives us all things. In Psalms 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Or in 89, verse 11, The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. So, God is the owner. You and I are stewards. Now, by the way, if you're going to come up to me after the service and say, Ernie, can I borrow your car? And I know that you've just crashed five cars in the last six days. As a good steward, I won't lend you my card. Okay? So let's not confuse good stewardship with just giving everything away. What is stewardship? And stewardship of what? There's a, <clears throat> a common misconception that both stewardship and generosity are primarily about giving. When stewardship is actually simply managing what God has entrusted to us. It's managing what God has entrusted to us. It's not a campaign, and it's not just about money. 
Our time, talents, and treasure are not our own. In fact, every decision in life is ultimately a stewardship decision because even my days are numbered and my time belongs to the Lord. My time belongs to the Lord. So while I'm here, while he gives me breath and while he has me here, I want to be about his business. And then when he takes me home, then he takes me home. And I get to spend eternity with him. Being a steward means thinking through how to fulfill my role as a follower of Christ versus thinking selfishly or having my own agenda. It's so easy for me to have my own agenda. While churches need to focus on holistic discipling in all areas, time, talents, money, life choices, relationships, even our own bodies, Finances are often a clear indicator of whether we're building God's kingdom or our own. So stewardship, then, is our responsibility to manage all the resources of life for the glory of God. And then to acknowledge that He is the great provider. And since it all belongs to Him, it's incumbent on us that all be used for His purpose and His glory. Individually, whether it be financial resources, time, influence, ability, and opportunities, and I'm, I keep repeating the list because I want us to be thinking through the list as part of stewardship. In all of these ways, the believer should seek the mind and will of God for every decision. God not only expects that we return a portion of what he gives us as tithes and offerings, he expects that all we have be used in ways that please and honor him. He expects that regardless of vocation, we will exercise responsible stewardship on his behalf every single day. One day, his eternal kingdom will come. In the meantime, we are to live as if it, as if it already has. So what are you and I stewards of? Our gifts, our abilities, our time, our finances and resources, our opportunities, our relationships, and our bodies. We're stewards of absolutely everything that God has entrusted to us. Well, what is generosity? And we'll talk about how generosity and stewardship are linked. Well, I think that we probably would not do badly to recognize that God modeled generosity for us. He set the example. He held nothing back to freely give us all things, including the gift of his beloved son who gave his life in order that we might have life. The generosity of God is shown in his free bestowal of grace upon undeserved sinners like you and I. How can we not respond with gratitude and surrender to this loving God? So generosity is the spirit with which we respond to the needs and opportunities around us, yes, needs and opportunities, using our abilities and our resources. A generous person demonstrates the char this characteristic across every aspect of life. This generosity across every aspect of life. In 9 verse 7, I've already alluded to, it says that we are not to give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It seems that God cares about the motivation and the intentions of my heart when I give. And that's also included in terms of the gifts of the Spirit. 
Because in Galatians 5, to 23, it says that generosity is a fruit of the Spirit. It is evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. So what can we say about generosity? First of all, generosity is about character. According to Paul, the manner of one's giving reflects the character of one's heart. God gives back blessings to those who give as a matter of blessing, but withholds his blessings from those who withhold their blessings from others. But we don't want to get this wrong. This isn't about give 100 pesos and you get 1,000 pesos back. That's eh, bordering on health and wealth gospel, and I actually don't buy that. The payback, the payback is not material, but the prayers of God's people and the enjoyment of God's glory. The Corinthians participated in this collection because of the famine that had hit Jerusalem. And Paul actually says they gave out of their poverty. Sounds like the widows might. Uh, but their participation in the collection was not for the church, but evidence that they were the church. Their participation was evidence that they were the church. Generosity is the overflow of the stewardship mindset that says God owns it all, and I'm only a steward of the resources in my hand, including my life. As we experience God and His provisions, we grow in our knowledge and intimacy with Him, and we grow in our giving and our generosity. Secondly, generosity is an expression of trust. Trust. Generosity is the fruit of or the result of trusting in God. Uh, it's hard to be generous if you don't trust God. At its root, generosity is a reflection of our ability to trust God with our resources. Growing in this trust, especially in the area of finances, is a lifelong process and discipline. A lack of generosity reflects the opposite of trust. Now, one of these I've done and the other I have not. Zip lining and bungee jumping require trust. I think I would pass out if I would bungee jump. In fact, I believe that only someone that is really challenged would jump out of a perfectly good airplane. But I have ziplined. And you have to trust it. You have to trust it. So when we're able to open our hand and trust God and, and, and use our resources the way He wants us to use them, that's an indication that we trust Him, that we trust Him. Maybe nothing is more radical than to assert that God, not ourselves, is responsible for all we are and have. And that our resources originate from God as a blessing, not from us as an expression of what we deserve. In part, as we celebrate the fact that we're living in Canada and we live in a land of abundance, we probably should also recognize that if I was born in another part of the world, I would be experiencing a totally different situation. And it has nothing to do with what I deserve or with my ability. It has a lot to do with where I'm born in some ways. Our blessing isn't necessarily an expression of what we deserve. Uh, the New Testament does not teach a doctrine of tithing either, that whole idea of giving 10%. 
Nor does Paul in this passage define, or anywhere else, define what constitutes giving generously. He doesn't even provide a target number. Wouldn't that be nice? Those of us that are list people, give me a target so that I can feel really good about I've reached the target, right? He doesn't even give general guidelines. The only rule that comes out of our text is to give freely and generously as an expression of our continued trust in God's grace. Verses 5 to 8. We are to trust in God's grace. So the key to generosity is not caring less about what we have in the world, but caring more about God's purposes in granting us his gifts. Let me say that again. The key to generosity is not caring less about what we have in the world, but caring more about God's purposes in granting us his gifts. I can remember uh, as a young single man deciding to go to Nicaragua because I felt God called me there. And, and in the matter of, of whatever hours it took to leave Canada and to set foot in Managua, I went from being below the poverty line to being wealthy, even though my income had not changed. You understand? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And my gate was a revolving door. And, and it was interesting because as I mused about things, I thought about uh, a gentleman in my church where I grew up, Corny Lowen, who owned Lowen Windows at the time. And I had so much respect for Corny Lowen. And I'm here to tell you that I don't think that Paul would tell Corny Lowen, give away everything you have. Because that would probably mean shutting down the plant and all of those people would lose their jobs. Hmm? Does that make sense? So, Ernie, Corny Lowen, Ernie in Nicaragua, Corny Lowen here, how are you being generous? How are you being stewards of what you have? Right? Corny Lowen is no longer with us, but his legacy is. God wants us to care not less about what we have in this world, but to care more about God's purposes in granting us those gifts. So I need to, as part of my pursuit of God's will in my life, I need to be asking, Lord, how do you want me to use the resources you've entrusted to me? Wealth is a gift from God, freely given as an expression of God's commitment to his people. So for those of us who trust in him, it can be freely shared and used for God's purposes. Surely gratitude is evidence that God has transformed the human heart. Cheerful givers are those who realize that they have received great benefits from God and have both the material means and the inner disposition to practice generosity. Those who recognize God to be the giver of all things are thankful and God knows their hearts. Thirdly, generosity is a recognition of God's ownership and his purposes. The only way to talk about money biblically is to talk about money in relationship to God and his purposes. The motivation for giving is radically God-centered in its foundation. Far from being our contribution back to God, or our way of showing God the depth of our gratitude, giving to others or to God's purposes is a response to what God has already done for us in the past and a demonstration of our continuing confidence in what he has promised to do for us in the future. It's trusting God. So giving is an act of faith in response to God's grace. 
As such, our giving is not a decision to participate in the projects of the church, but an expression of the fact that we are the church. That is, we belong to God, and therefore we also belong to each other. Yes, this truth has far-reaching implications in the way we live our lives and how we use the resources entrusted to us, including our money, our possessions, our work, our business, everything else we have. Our response is to give up our love for material things and invest in things that matter to God for His kingdom. And I realize that generosity is not a lifestyle that is developed overnight. It starts with a grateful heart and a willingness to surrender to the will of God, the owner of life. So generosity is the overflow of the stewardship mindset. It says God owns it all, and I'm only a steward of the resources in my hands, including my life. God bestows material blessings on his people so that they can help those who have less in life and so that they can also use those resources to advance his kingdom in the world. So, when we talk about church and we say, why church? Why is this not just an individual message to individual people? Why corporate stewardship and generosity? The truth is that we can do more together than by ourselves. An example of how corporate generosity can make a difference would be the vast mission work of the EMC over the last 70 years, numbering over 140 missionaries in different parts of the world at one point. Another example would be the budget we just passed for the coming year. We could never, ever reach this goal if we didn't work together at reaching it. I can't reach it by myself, and I doubt that you can either. We're meant to do this together. We could never manage the different ministries at EFC without volunteers. In fact, I'm going to shamelessly put out a plug for the Children's Men Committee, which is limping with a need for more volunteers. So I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit this morning. That usually doesn't work for me uh, to try to be that. But uh, if, if you feel that you want to help with Children's Men, uh, talk to Faith or Deborah. Wow, I snuck that in there. Unashamedly. Yeah, we, we, we do these ministries because we need every, all hands on deck. We work together to accomplish it. We could never do it without volunteers and without many participating, using their time, their abilities, and their gifting. We are called to be Christ's ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5.20. And because God is a triune God, three in one, He is a supremely relational God, and we also model and represent Him best when we model Him corporately. We model God to the world when we live in harmony and unity as a church family, instead of in isolation. As a church family, we're also best able to recognize and cultivate both stewardship and generosity as we encourage one another and spur each other on to good works. So this morning, I want to encourage us to be good stewards and to live lives that reflect generosity. And that might look different for each one of us. That's between you and God. 
But that's the mandate. That's the call to be good stewards and to practice generosity. Let's pray, and then I'm going to call Kurt uh, up, and then I think the ushers with mics will see if there are some questions on the uh, phone. And if you have some questions and comments, then we can do that as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the many, many ways that you have blessed us. We are truly blessed. And this morning, we've, uh, we've talked about what it means to be good stewards of what you have entrusted to us. And Lord, we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would help us to be faithful. And then also, we have talked about being generous. And, and that's a matter of character, a matter of the heart. Lord, help us to also be generous in the way that we are stewards of the resources that you've entrusted to us. And may we also be generous with our love for our neighbor. And whatever that looks like, uh, help us to be your hands and feet in that way. We ask this in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Okay, Kurt, why don't you come up? <clears throat> okay, good. What does stewardship and generosity look like in your life, especially if the 10% isn't actually an official requirement? Uh, the, the idea of 10% is, is maybe a bit more of an Old Testament idea. Uh, Jesus tends to raise the bar when we get to the New Testament. And the thought in the New Testament is more that actually everything that we have as Christ followers belongs to him, and, and we are meant to be stewards of it. Uh, so I, I realize that I'm not in a position to reverse tithe. I know of, I've met an individual who owned a big steel company, and he reverse tithe. He lived on 10 and, and gave away 90. Uh, not everybody's in that position. Uh, the, the point is that I've been called as a steward. What does that look like? And to be a steward, if, if you're the steward of your boss's resources... The first thing you need to know is what your boss wants you to do with the resources. <laughs> you, you have to know what the boss wants. To administer his resources, you have to know what he wants. So if I'm a steward of the resources God has entrusted to me, I have to also then know what God wants, right? Uh, so I think that's where we're at. Well, it, what happens is, I, if I have that mentality, I say, I have to give 10% to God, and now I can do what I want with the 90. And I'm fighting that and saying, actually, I don't know that that's very biblical. To say, oh, I can do what I want. This is mine, and this is God's, so this I can do with what I want. And I, again, you don't hear me saying that you need to give it away. That's not what I'm saying. This is between you and God. I'm saying we're, we're stewards, not owners. All right. Ooh, I'm, I'm working the iPhone here. Okay. <clears throat> I have a lot of respect for all you, all, all you iPhone guys. Can you speak a little bit about being a steward of the relationships in our life? 
Anybody else? Uh, we've got ushers with mics. Somebody want to respond to that question? I can, but I'd, I'd like to give opportunity. How can you be a steward of the relationships in your life? Uh, right here, Adrian. Well, I, I know of, um, well, I, I think of my relationship with my wife. Um, having started SBC 12 years ago when I was single and uh, going to classes and I had a whole bunch of free time to do whatever, you know, and I took it for granted that I had a lot of extra time because uh, there's a lot of time that I should have been spending in devotionally with God. Mm. Uh, God has taught me in the last year now that there are other things that are more important than just schoolwork and marks and, and having fun. I'm married now, so, and my wife works all the time. And so, so to be a good steward of a relationship is to spend that extra time with my wife. Uh, yes, you give your time to God, but we do it together. So um, uh, I just want people who are single out there to know you're not always going to be single. So uh, <laughs> spend some time with God while you can. And then uh, to the married people, spend as much time together with God as you can. I definitely think it's something to navigate depending on, on your personality. Sometimes you, you're the type that collects a lot of relationships, and, and then you have to navigate that. And, and, and being a steward, um, I, I talk a lot about donor fatigue. Uh, you can give to people, and I'm, now I'm talking about also time and energy, emotional and mental energy and everything. You can burn yourself out helping everybody else and you've burnt yourself out and you're no good to anybody at that point. So one of the things that I take seriously as a pastor, and we have a seniors exec, and I keep telling them, guys, um, you've you got to monitor how much you give of yourself because this is a marathon, not a sprint. So, so also being a good steward of relationships means um, that if you come to my house to visit... And at four in the morning, you're still not ready to go home. I might say, let's have a word of prayer quickly before you leave. <laughs> or could you lock the door when you leave? I'm going to bed, right? In other words, being a steward of relationships means um, managing, managing, right? And, and that also means there are relationships in your life where you can speak hope and, and truth into that life. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't flip that off like... like be a positive influence where you're able. Yeah. I need three hands here. <clears throat> Something I read this week. A person secure in the love of God approaches life with quite a different attitude. Because I am sure that God will take care of me and provide all that I need. I no longer need to be greedy looking out for myself. Instead, I can look for opportunities to give generously to others. I think you talked about that, didn't you? Amen. Um, I heard the other day someone, a, a believer, said, if you trust God, you don't need to work. And I'm going, yeah, that's taking one verse out of context. Uh, the Bible also says something about if you don't work, you don't eat. In other words, um, God does what he can do, and he expects us to do what we can do. Like... This trusting God doesn't mean that you quit your job and you sit at home and fold your hands and wait for um, everything to show up on your driveway. That's not what we're saying here. Uh, we're saying use the opportunities that are given to you 
and then be generous as you're a good steward with what God has entrusted to you. Yeah. Do we have some questions or comments from the floor? I just want to make a comment about online giving. Um, just maybe as something to think about. I'm certainly a believer in it, and I do it myself. But when I think of online giving locally, in myself, I can feel a tendency that I separate myself from my giving. I don't have to think about it because it's happening. Also, I think it would be more of a challenge for young parents nowadays. I'm so thankful I'm not a young parent. But how do you teach your children about giving if they n never see it? So, as I say, that's not my problem now, but right. um, I'm curious how young parents handle that. Yeah, that, and those are all good things to consider. How do you model that? Um, I know if we would pool this, uh, these benches of young adults over here, uh, probably all of them would say they don't ever do checks, maybe don't even have checks, and they don't do cash. Uh, so when we complain that a generation isn't giving, it's probably because we haven't made it possible for them to give in the language that they're used to. So you, you raise a valid concern. How do we teach our children then uh, this aspect of giving, right? Good. Anybody else? Um, Pastor Ernie, how would you... Ex um say that a person can uh, keep themselves account accountable to doing good stewardship or being accountable for their, uh, their generosity. Is there a ways you would suggest that uh, we could do that? That's a really good question, and uh, I'm going to have to think on my feet. I, I've told students, uh, don't pray and ask for opportunities to witness because you already know God's heart. God's the consummate missionary. Okay, so rather pray every morning before you get up and say, Lord, I know your heart, I know you want to win the loss, and I know that you want to use me, so today I want you to help me to see the opportunities you'll bring my way. And often after a week, students would come and say, wow, did I have opportunities this week? And I said, no more than the week before, you just had the blinders off this week. So now I'm going to add one. How about adding a prayer at the start of the day saying, Lord, I know that I'm a steward, I, 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 as soon as I woke up, I punched the clock, and I'm working for you now. Uh, so I, I, I want to serve, I want to be a steward, and I want to be generous the way that you want me to. So help me today to understand, to hear your voice in that sense. Because this isn't, I wish it was a pill I could take, and I'd be automatically a good steward, automatically generous, but it's actually something that I have to work at every day. So maybe that's one way that it'd be part of my prayer as I start today. No, yep. I'm going to add to that one. Today, uh, this week, I had one day that uh, I asked um, the Lord to help me to encourage someone, and wouldn't you know it, <laughs> He did bring someone to to me. But I uh, wanted to also say one person encouraged um, me back when uh, uh, my finances were very, very, very low, and he said, "You know, it's not the 10 percent you're putting into the altar." Uh, into the offering, it's also the um, generosity that we host and that we uh, are doing other things. The generosity that don't have a monetary thing to them, 
but he said that also added um, was also an offering. Or thank you, Agatha. Time for one more text. There's a hand back there. Rather the hand. I see that hand. Yeah, just coming back to the, the ten percent versus the ninety percent. Um, we have to, I think, understand that the ten percent isn't. It's not only the ten percent that's God's. The hundred percent is God's, and so how we spend that other ninety percent, you know, we, we view that as spending that on, you know, on me and us and our family. But really, anything we spend, we need to do with the understanding this is God's. You know, we, you know, we spend some money on, on our on our house. Now, what are we going to do with with the end result of what we fixed on our house and what we what we made look nicer? We, you know, we can. We have to come up with ways that, that that's going to be honoring to God. Anything we do with our money and our time has to be something that honors God. We, we can't only honor God with 10% of our time and our money. You know what I mean? I think the important thing, I think, is to kind of really do want to forget kind of the 10%. I think if you give 5%, I think God would rather have you give 5 or 4%, but to do it willingly. I don't think he wants you to begrudgingly give 10 but again, tell me I'm wrong. No, it's, we've, what we've said is it's a matter of the heart. And, and we've said it's stewardship of everything, not just money. It's my time. It's the opportunities I have. Um, and, and then it's, it, it's also about uh, going through life in a way that honors God. Uh, so if I work uh, 60 hours a week, I don't think I'm honoring God, even if I'm in the pastorate. I don't think he wants me to do that. I'm not being a good steward of my time if I have to say my name when I come home so that my wife knows who I am, right? Uh, that's, yeah. So stewardship is about all of life. And, and, and it's uh, between, in a, in a sense, it's between you and God. Uh, although if you uh, see somebody that needs encouragement... Uh, you know, you see your pastor doing too many things and you take him out for lunch and you say, so you need to back off. That's looking out for your brother, right? Don't do that, it's been done. Right? So that's part of, that's part of family. That's part of family. It's part of encouraging one another, supporting one another, and looking out for one another. Okay? Good. Thank you so much. Um, I guess those mics, we're going to need them up here. We'll call the praise band up again uh, for singing.